Here's the million dollar question. How do men like us reach our full potential and grow into the men we dream of being while taking care of our responsibilities, working, being good husbands, fathers, and still take care of ourselves? That's the question in this podcast will help you with those answers. My name is Brent and welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast. Welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast, your home for all things man, husband, and father. Big shout out to the Fallible Nation that keeps us going and makes things like this possible and a warm welcome to our first time listeners. Thank you for sharing your time and attention with us. We know you have a lot of options and we're thrilled that you're here with us today. My name is Brent and today my special guest is Diamond Well, coach, mentor, author, speaker, and so much more. In today's show, we're going to touch on the five F's of men and vulnerability and being on the good side of change. Di, welcome to the show. <laughs> Brent, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. I had the lovely opportunity of being at the conference. Gosh, it, it feels like it was yesterday, but I know it was months ago. <laughs> and uh, it's just very cool to now circle up and reconnect in this format. Anyways, uh, uh, thank you. Uh, it's an honor to be here. And I'm excited because you're going to be at our next conference in February. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I'm super excited. You guys, if you enjoy the podcast today, come meet Dai in person in February at the Phoenix Conference, February 10th and 11th. Tickets are on sale on the website, www.fallowman.com slash the Phoenix. Right now, early bird specials are still going and you'll get to hang out more with Die. And trust me, guys, if you enjoy him on the podcast, he is even more fun in person. Uh, we <laughs> had a great time when he was here for the last conference. Die, I don't do the big introductions. So tell us in your <laughs> own words, who is Diamond Well? Jeez, wow. Let's just start with the easy question. Okay. Uh, no, I'm just joking. Listen, Diamond, well, first off, let's just get the elephant out of the room here or identify the elephant. It's a weird name. Totally weird name. Die is Welsh for David. Okay. Manuel is Portuguese. Diamond, well. So Welsh and Portuguese. Just don't worry about it. I'm Canadian. Okay. That's it. That's all I got to say. Now, <laughs> as far as who am I, as I always like to lead off, first and foremost, I'm a dad. Dad of two teenage girls, they're now, oh my gosh, almost going to be 20 and 18 in the next few months. I, it feels weird even saying that. But I've got two beautiful girls, Chardonnay and Brie. That's wine and cheese for those that figured it out. And then I've been dating my wife for 22, almost 23 years. And that's really, if I have to sum up who am I, that's a big part of it. That is really who, the why, the what, the how, they're my everything. Outside of that, for my own personal I guess how would I identify just me? I'm someone that just loves helping people get out of their own way. I have a natural ability to look in people and see the potential that they unfortunately can't see in themselves based on life circumstances. Let's be honest, a lot of us lose that edge, that edge when it comes to how we interpret our life and how we show up for our life. And it's tough, right? When you fall off that path, how do you get back on? And sometimes it's nice just to know that there's somebody in your corner that empathetically can relate and say, you know what? You're not alone. It's okay. And that's it. So every day I get to do cool stuff that allows me to align with that and help other people work through that. So that's who I am in a nutshell. I think one of the things that stood out when we were first meeting each other through the software we use to connect with other mm -hmm. podcasters is I love the fact that one of the top things you list is that you've been dating your wife for 23 years now. That is just I love the priorities on your, I guess you get to talk to a lot of people. That's one of the great things about being a podcaster, as you know, <laughs> it's just the cool people you get to meet. But I talk to a lot of people and right there, that is priority. Number one is I'm a dad and I'm dating my wife. It's like, <laughs> bam, clear clarity. <laughs> now, Thanks. You were, Thanks. are the COO of a large scale business, mm -hmm. right? 
And then you started yeah. getting into some other spaces. Why did you change? Most people would be like, wait, that's people spend their whole lives trying to get to those levels yeah. and positions. Yeah. Why the change? It's You've actually kind of had the answer within the question. And what I mean by that is when you ask there, Brennan, I think this is so appropriate. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are like on their edge, like, yeah, why do we pursue to begin with those levels? Like the why, like why do we get started? And if I'm perfectly honest with you, Brennan, ego drove me to get started and to pursue that. S success is highly subjective. And yet I had this knack of trying to qualify and quantify success, especially the quantification, meaning that I would look at accolades and affirmations and praise, but this also on top of that, I'd be looking at money in the bank, having the cars, having the home, having the toys. Like for me, that's what I believe success was. And so from my early twenties into my early thirties, that's what I accumulated. I pursued a lot of that thinking that it was going to fulfill me, make me feel successful. But here's the thing. The more I acquired, the more that I accomplished, the more unfulfilled I felt. And it's because I was living in the ego, man. I was living, looking for something to satisfy me outside me without saying, you know what? Maybe I got to go inward to figure this stuff out. Because that's where the massive disconnect was. I'd been someone, I'd come from a fitness and wellness industry, back a background. And then let's be fair. You know, fitness industry, I mean, just go on Instagram. It's a lot of smoke and mirrors. It's a lot of, of filtering and it's highly curated, but it's also people trying to show certain physiques and certain ideas and it's a noisy space and it's confusing and you have to start to question what's real and what's not. I didn't want to be a part of that anymore. I had grown, I had evolved, I had made some big massive changes, which we might get into today. And in going through that, I realized the path that I was on for 17 years, literally co-founding a company, building it to eight figures a year thinking that, wow, this is it. This is what I'm meant to be doing the rest of my life. But the more success, as I was quantifying it, I achieved, the more I felt disconnected and unhappy, mm -hmm. unfulfilled, lacking joy. So I did the hard thing, the real hard thing. I quit, <laughs> you know, I, I quit a 17 year career, very stable, very safe. And I, I ended up writing a book during that final few months before I left. And uh, it was published about four months after I exited out of that business. And it opened up a world of opportunity because I, I wanted to create a book. Oh, thank you for sharing that, Brent. A book that would help individuals. Because being in fitness literally for 28 years now, I've heard it all. Every excuse. You can give it to me and I've probably heard it. Okay. And so my thing was like, I know it's just all about mindset. It's our mental health. It's our perception on not only the world that we live, but also how we see ourselves in that world. And I knew if I could help make an impact and influence people to shift that perspective, only a half a degree. I'm not saying like a full 180 here, like half a degree. And I know if they can commit to doing that half a degree for, let's just say 28 days, mm -hmm. they're going to end up in a very different place than where they, and I like to use the ocean liners as an example. If you set a trajectory, you change that degree by half a degree and you continue onward for 12 hours. <laughs> by the end of 12 hours, you are massively off course. This also works in the positive way, though, if we want to recalibrate and reconfigure the direction that we have in life. And so that's what I had to do with my own life first, though, because I needed to get that clarity and to figure out what do I want to do? What makes you feel fulfilled, happy and joyful every day? And then I just got to work. OK, and I was filled with a lot of fear. OK, <laughs> bottom line, done. Lots of fear. It was intimidating. It was scary. 
But thankfully, my family was by my side and they were like, you know what? Let's do this. You can do this. We're behind you. And that's what allowed me to endure the really hard days. Those days where you question everything. And thank goodness I have them in my life. And that's what allows me to endure. Hence, what's my two most important things? It's in my byline. I'm a dad and I'm dating my wife. Because I know if I got those things figured out, hey, whatever else I do is just fun. You know, it's just fun. Now, see, a lot of guys struggle, right? Because I've told people I've talked to, look, I talk to people who have made it by all measures of, quote unquote, what we call success. Mm. And I've talked to a lot of guys who have, quote unquote, made it, who went, got there and went, uh, this, this is not what I thought it was. This is not what makes my life good or happy. And for guys who are struggling, right? Because we're doing okay. I'm not rich by any means, but Sarah and I do okay. But we had a lot of years where we're, we still had some back debts for a long time that took years to pay off because for a lot of years, we were struggling from day to day. Mm -hmm. And so there are a lot of guys who are in that place in their lives right now who hear somebody say something like that and they're like, you're out of your mind. There's Money does buy happiness. They lie. That, well, yeah, it buys a lot of things, but it also... But Brent, just real quick, happiness is temporary, joy is permanent. And so you got to keep that in mind. Yes, money will buy you happiness, but it's short-lived. And that's why we're never satisfied. You know, we're never satisfied. There's always that one more thing, one more thing, one more thing. And we're also very good at leveraging our future to pay for the now. And it, when you get that into focus and you really understand that concept, it's an amount of, of, of just a little bit of self-control, a little bit of discipline to bring into focus what truly matters. And what I often challenge people on when I'm working with men on this, especially, is like bring that into focus because all of a sudden you realize, wow, it's not only very accessible and it's here right now, it doesn't cost anything. It just doesn't. And yet the fulfillment we get from some people just question, how can I be feeling this way and achieve this? And it didn't cost me anything because it, it just, it's just so different from what we actually have grown up thinking. So it's it's hard for us to just commit to that. And I, I can speak to this very personally because uh, I didn't start making these kind of pivots in my life until I was in my early 30s. And only because I got to a moment where I was threatened to lose everything that mattered to me. And it was based on my abuse of alcohol and narcotics. And just uh, that my way of coping with stress, anxiety, and overwhelming life, that was it. I went to a bottle and it massive, almost 13 years to a day, I made a decision to go one month, or sorry, one year without alcohol. And that one year is now turned into 13 years and a lifestyle and opened up so many opportunities for me. But I had to get to the place where I was like, not only on rock bottom, but I was actually under the rock <laughs> and rock bottom with my feet sticking out, my hands sticking out, really just stuck and afraid and uncertain. And uh, so anyways, yeah, that was, I just wanted to throw that in there because I, I love what you're saying, but it's like, that little piece, right? That we sometimes that's forget. That's we miss. That's, yeah. that's the thing. Yeah. Most of us don't separate right. happiness and joy. Yeah. Right. We see it as something together. Yeah. We see it as one and the same. We that's Most right. people don't understand there's a really big Massive. difference Massive. between the two. Yeah. And so, no, I'm, I'm really glad you've clarified that, reiterated on that point, because it is. It's shocking how many people don't separate those things. Mm -hmm. And I wish there was a good explanation as to why, <laughs> other than we're just not taught to separate those things in this culture. I, I just think that's it. It just doesn't come up in conversation. It's not like we're setting out. I, I think we're very quick to just believe that pick up a thesaurus and all these words that are like each other, they must all mean the same thing, but they don't. 
and the English language doesn't do us any favors on this. The English language is really confusing, to be honest. And, yeah. and I'd hate to be someone that had to learn it as a second or even a third language because it's like it was hard enough to learn it as my first language. That being said, I think it's our understanding and our relationship with words. And like my TEDx talk last year was all about vulnerability and that understanding that vulnerability is actually a skill and it's not a negative word with negative connotations unless you apply that. We right. give the meaning to things. Are you familiar with Viktor Frankl? He wrote Man's yeah. Search for Meaning. And yeah. In it, he talks about this idea, right? This idea that even to ask the question, so what's the meaning of life? It's one, highly subjective. And two, the oxymoron of that question is whatever answer you give is correct because we give the meaning. We give it. It's know? 42. We all know this. Yeah, 42. I love that. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Lovely. I love Douglas Adams. But yeah, it's so true, right? Like, it's just, it's so true. So it's, yeah, it, life's so funny, right? It's funny. It, it is pretty easy to stand back and just laugh at it all. But in a real positive way and be like, I just can't take this so darn seriously. Because one, you have a lot more fun and you have better conversations. And to be quite honest, you tend to live a healthier, longer life. And then you don't have to take my word on that. Science proves it. <laughs> Small happiness then. What's your favorite ice cream? Um, well, if I'm honest, it's coconut. I love coconut ice cream. I'm really a, wow. a big coconut fan. So it's also like, I used to give the answer vanilla. My wife was like, you are so vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, I won't say that anymore. Coconut. <laughs> you know, there are vanilla connoisseurs out there. I love it. You, you get into the different types of vanilla. vanilla. Oh, yeah. <laughs> vanilla bean, baby. I, I, I'm, oh, vanilla I'm, bean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. We're on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, it's funny because my mom made coconut cream pie last night. My mom lives with us, and it, it was very good. Okay, here's the deal. When I come down for the conference, I need some of that. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know what? I'll let her <laughs> I'm know. I'm putting my order now. <laughs> I'll let you see if to hook you guys up. So. Oh, yes. That's one of my favorites. Okay. Mom, Anything mom coconut, will, you got me. Mom loves to contribute however she can, so I, I Great. Thanks, let mom. her. I'll pass that request on. <laughs> From Wait scratch, on. coconut cream pie, man. Oh, oh, oh yeah. You, you had me a coconut. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ty, you model your life on what you call the five Fs. Can you share what that is and why? One, I love alliteration. All right. It helps us remember stuff. Also, it sounds kind of cool. <laughs> you know, so I use the five S. Because also, it's, I know when it comes to teaching and understanding, we need little tricks, right? Those monomic minute, you know, the word. I can never spell it. Thank you. Thank you. Like I said, English is hard. Creating these ways that we can remember things and reference things, but also because if we can remember it, we can apply it. And so these five is just a simple way of giving us some structure. But more importantly than just structure, it's also direction. Because through clarity, we gain confidence. And through confidence, we tend to take more action, procrastinate less. And then we also gain more clarity in the act of doing the action. So it's kind of ebb and flow. And so here's the five S. Fitness, faith, family, finances and an overarching roof of fun. And why I say these words, because when I really surmise a lot of the things that are most important in my life, they can fit in any one of those five buckets, if you will. You held up a copy of my book earlier. In my book, I use a home, like a house analogy. So just to entertain this idea for a second. If you are the architect of your own home and that home was a representation or a metaphor for your life, just think about the way that we used to draw houses as kids, right? Again, I'm not an artist. I'm not going to draw some Rembrandt or Michelangelo kind of thing. I'm, I'm like four, like it looks like a square with a little triangle on top I'm of it. Okay? okay. Thank you. Good. So we're on the same page here. So the four walls are each an F and then the roof is fun. 
So fitness, faith, family, and finances. Now here's the thing. It's all on a foundation of health. But I look at family, obviously that's relationships that we have. It's that level of connection that we have in our life, that, that sense of belonging in certain situations as well. I factor in community under there as well. Also faith is our belief systems. What is it that we rely on that helps us navigate the downtimes, you know, pulls us out, provides us with that hope, that sense of faith, that sense of being. And, and I'm not talking about just secular versions, but also non-secular, because it's just our own personal beliefs and our relationship with this idea of how we're impacting the world and living within it. And, and that's what I classify under as faith. Finances, listen, we live in a world where you got to be fiduciary responsible. We, it's not like we're, we live in a barter system as much as I wish we did. We live in a world where we do have economic constraints. And one thing that I see affects so many families and individuals is stress around money. And so if we can learn to be more financially responsible and understand that it can be a great vehicle to support us and help all the other walls, as well as that foundation and roof, well, we should make it a priority. But it also under finances, the way that we earn and how do we generate the money? And so that's also being factored in there. And then family faith. Oh, fitness. Fitness is the one way to directly impact that foundation of health. And so when I say fitness, I'm talking about the actual activities to improve your health and well-being physically, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, and all that comes into fitness. And fitness, what is fitness? It's like moving our body to create a certain physical response or an adaptation. Well, the same can apply to being fitness financially or to be mentally fit. It's doing actual activities that builds our natural resiliency. And then lastly, the last F is the overarching roof of fun. Because you know what, if you're smiling every day, there's room for improvement, all right? That's bottom line. And uh, so that's my sort of my invitation to people is envision your house. What are your top values? And use that as the framework to envision, okay, this is the life I'm building. I need to focus on my fitness wall right now because I think I got termites. And if that tornado comes through, it's going to knock that wall down and my house is not going to look so good. So I need to reinforce that wall which also has to be reinforced because of the foundation. So that's sort of how I play with that metaphor. It opens up a lot of doors to better understand this relationship that we have with our values, but also what are we doing to reinforce those and grow them and shift them? Now guys, I, I went into this because I want you to understand who Dai is and where he's coming for from as we go into the next half of this conversation. <laughs> you needed to have that foundation of who you're, who's talking to you and where this is coming from. And for all of you guys listening on the podcast, we've talked about it in passing. But Dai's book, The Whole Life Fitness Manifesto, if you're on the video version, you saw me hold it up, but it's the Diamond Wells Whole Life Fitness Man you. Manifesto. You will have links to that in the show notes and in the description below. You'll also be able to find out my website afterwards, but I wanted you guys to know that's the book we're talking about. Uh, I'm not going to leave you in the dark. There will be a link to Dai's book, so that way you guys can find it since we keep referencing it. But I wanted you to know who he was and get into that before we step into the next piece of this conversation. So Ty, before we get into the next part of this conversation, what are two books that just to you are, are life-changing books that you need to read? Okay, the first one's The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And just a phenomenal book. I absolutely just love it. It's all about uh, limiting beliefs. And uh, he, he talks about glass ceilings that we put over our heads and uh, just how this self-sabotage also shows up in our life. And because once you understand that framework and you can start to see how it shows up, you can start to change it and, and make shifts and changes. So The Big Leap is one. Second to that would be a book I referenced earlier, which is Man's Search for Meaning. 
by Dr. Viktor Frankl. Super impactful. You have to understand, and just to give some context for people, then just because I want you to understand the impact that this book has made on the world. But this doctor who was a psychologist, and this is during a pre-World War II, and he's German, but a Jewish German individual. So him and his entire family living in Germany there. And the Nazis, just awful, the persecution that they did. But his entire family and friends, his communities were all round up and sent to various concentration camps. He ended up being in three or four of them. He actually was in Auschwitz as well, but because of his being a physician background, they allowed him to stay on because he would then be working within the camp, which was also very challenging for him. But long and short, the first half is just re recounting those experiences. And, but as a psychologist, being able to observe how people were acting, reacting, he was able to put it into a certain context that just is so, uh, you know, because if, I hope we never see anything like that again in the world. And just, it shook me when I read that book. But here's the thing. In the second half, he takes a lot of what he unpacked because he ultimately, and it survived, he lost his entire family. If there's any reason to give up on life and that level of decimation in one's life, I mean, and yet to come out of it and still remain positive and be able to then take what he learned and apply it in a way to change the world. I mean, oh gosh, that is inspiring in my books. The whole second half, he talks about this idea of aligning with purpose in our lives and really that idea of discovering the meaning for our lives, the why, if you will, in some cases. And out of that came an entire psychological system called logotherapy. And so I know I've spoken quite a bit on this book, but I just, I, I got to give people some perspective and context on it because when you read it, it is just, wow. So, wow. And um, so those are, the two, world, so. those are the two that came to mind. Like it's, I think it should be required reading as far as I'm concerned, especially just because those that level of just I mean, what the Nazis did is just uncalled for. It's just absolutely. And I don't think we reference that enough. Like mistakes happen. We see, I mean, what's happening in the Ukraine right now? It's just awful. And I'm just amazed that we're as advanced as we are as a human species, yet we still have these tendencies. I'm just like, it blows my mind. It blows my mind. Well, hey, guys, we'll have links for those books as well, because a good book really does change your life. We're huge advocates of reading and I love audio books and stuff because it lets me read even more. Uh, so we'll have links to those books as well in the show notes for you guys. If Dai says they're great books, guys, they're probably fabulous books. So check those out. Now we're going to roll our sponsor and we will be right back. We're going to dig into vulnerability and change and how it can make you into the best part of your life. So we'll be right back with more for Dai. I'm calling on all men right now to stand up and stand against this horrific crime. It is estimated that over 300,000 children are being sex trafficked in the United States alone every single day. I want you to get on your social media. I want you to follow savinginnocence.org or fightforme.net. Both of these charities are working to end child trafficking in the United States and abroad. You can donate at www.thefallibleman.com shop and buy our inhuman trafficking merchandise and all proceeds will be given indefinitely to savinginnocence.org. You can also go to www.savinginnocence.org slash donate and donate directly to Saving Innocence. Men, it is time for us to fight and stop this horrible thing known as human trafficking. Guys, welcome back. We're here with Diamond Well discussing vulnerability and men and how to be a champion for change and not a victim so you can live your best life. And I know that's a mouthful and a lot to cover, but I promise we're gonna tie it all together I, what purchase of $100 or less did you make in the last year that's had the biggest impact on your life? It's a solid question. 
Hmm. Well, oh no, because it's hundred dollars less. Well, let's see. Oh man, this is tough. I should know this. And I'm like, I don't know what I would say. It, well, you know what? I think if I actually look at my last 12 months, the thing that's made the biggest difference is my new pair of running shoes. I know it sounds funny, but when I get a new pair of shoes, I feel inspired and motivated to use them. Mm -hmm. And this last pair of shoes I got, it, it's just been great. I just found that with that commitment to the shoes also got recommitted to me doing some things for my health. I got back into walking regularly, even to cycling regularly. They just, it's amazing how that one little thing affected my perspective on myself, but also my psychology around just getting back to prioritizing my health. To be fair, that is honestly in the last 12 months, the one thing that I use like all the time and it was under a hundred bucks. So there you go. Sarah wants to know, cause she's a runner. So what kind of shoes? I should qualify when I say I'm a runner. I'm not, I'm a sprinter. Okay. <laughs> and uh, they're nikes nike freeze so I, I like flat soles like a zero point shoes so there's no they're just you know it's you might as well be running almost bare feet right yeah. i prefer that more natural feel so yeah they've been really good i like them okay i actually was gonna guess that you were a sprinter more than a long distance runner yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> wait my body type give it away <laughs> it, it does. Yeah. I, I, you know since i've actually met you face to face and yeah you're you're in terrific shape man i, I it reminded me how much work i got to do i also know enough about exercise science it's like hmm. that that's a sprinting body that's not a that, that's not a long yes. distance runner no so, no it's no distance here man i we, can do it if can, i have to but uh, i only do it on mud runs that's the only i can do it we could get into a whole nother ball on we'll wax on that one we'll save that for another conversation <laughs> awesome, we awesome. Could go down that rabbit hole for sure totally. now when you speak about vulnerability most men are automatically going to recoil like a vampire yeah. in sunlight sure. we hear yeah. we heard hear vulnerability and men are like you're right they're just and now stick with us guys okay that's not where we're going so Let's define what you're suggesting here when you talk about men learning to be vulnerable. Thanks. And listen, I, I get it, guys. I was there. You tell me the word vulnerable and vulnerability. I think weak. I think, no, you don't do that. You don't want to be vulnerable. You want to be impenetrable. You want to be bulletproof and resilient to keep everything at bay, right? But here's the thing. If that's the perspective in that relationship you have with the idea of being vulnerable, just invite you to ask yourself, why? What brought about that belief system? that relationship to this understanding of what it means to be vulnerable. Because I think if you look, and this is actually a testament to what we spoke about at the Phoenix conference, Brent, was if you remember, there's only two ways, you know, the, the brain is not wired to be happy, but it is wired to learn. And what's the most effective ways of learning? Modeling and mentorship. And I still remember that was the most significant piece I took away from the conference because it's true. And being a fan of neuroscience, I relate to that. And here's the thing. Our entire life is a culmination of experiences and interactions and consumption. And it formulates this perspective that we have not only on ourselves and the world that we live in. And yet there's probably something in there that created a negative idea of what vulnerable is. Maybe it's a poor first experience that we had where we, we went out on a limb, expressed how we were really feeling about something and somebody turned around and used it against us, made fun of us, degraded us. Fair enough. You have an experience like that, it's easy to say, I'm not going to be vulnerable again. And then you get around a bunch of other guys that all have the same perspective. Of course, you just reinforce the belief. So we have to look at who are we modeling in our life and start to ask, are those the best habits and best belief systems? Do they really serve me? I go back 13 years ago, the most significant change I've ever made in my life. 
And it all started, and really, I was only able to navigate it as well as I did because I was able to get vulnerable with my wife. I was able to open up and putting this, we'd already been together at 10 years at this point. And to be honest, I don't think I was ever truly vulnerable with her, it allowed her to see me for who I really was and how scared I was and how depressed I was because I was very good at putting on a show. I was very good living the Instagram filter, <laughs> okay? I was just very good at that. I was an actor in a way. And yet when things came crashing down and life became so unruly and my alcohol consumption got weird, she asked me a question. She said, Di, are you being the type of man that you would want to marry your daughters? That question shifted everything because I realized in the moment I couldn't defend myself. I had nothing to defend to justify the way I was. And that opened up this emptiness for me, this pit, if you will. And I knew I had to cross that chasm to be able to start to heal, start to change, start to be more the man I always wanted to be and not this person that I was running away from. And I needed to be able to open up and express that to my wife or else she wouldn't understand and she wouldn't be able to support me. And to be fair, I don't think we would have endured and stayed together because she was at her wit's end. So I was vulnerable. I opened up about everything. I let it all out. And it was incredible how cathartic that was, but also to see her in her eyes, she saw in me, me. And it was empathetic, but it was also loving and caring and saying just with her eyes, it's gonna be okay, we got this. And that set in motion, 13 year journey I've been on ever since. And if we think about vulnerability as a skill, a skill that can be developed, our relationship with the word becomes healthier, but the, what it opens up for us, uh, ups, opens up for us as far as a life of possibility and opportunity, it's incredible. And so I, I invite people, if you want more on this, just my TEDx talk, I go into the, the gory details and all that story, but it was for me being able to open up with somebody and other people, now other men in doing so, because someone's got to go first. Someone's got to go first, but in going first, whoever that person might be, you automatically give permission to others to open up as well. And that is the beautiful thing about vulnerability. It takes someone to go first, but it can shift the mood and the tone for all your interactions with other people. But they have to they have to see it because you have to realize they might be like us. Their circles of influence are really negative on vulnerability. That's why we clam up, we retract, we run away, we avoid dealing with that stuff. We only limit our potential and happiness, fulfillment, and joy in our life if we do so. So that's it. That's what I want to say on vulnerability. I know we could talk about this for an hour or two yeah. hours or 10 hours or be like Brene Brown and make an entire business out of it. But all I can say is please just warm up to just having more conversations or maybe just experimenting a little bit. And Brent, I got to commend you because you have a, a group, a community, a tribe, if you will, that is safe for men to practice these skill developments. So like you've created that. And I witnessed that at the Phoenix. Some of those conversations that happened in between speakers, oh my gosh, like life-changing, but also, wow, the depth of sharing some of those guys did, that only happened because we had other people willing to be vulnerable from the stage. You yourself opening up with some of your personal stories and overcoming big obstacles, that allowed everybody else there to do the same. Because you said it's safe, it's okay, and hey, we're all we're all here together, you know? So yeah, anyways, that's my bit on vulnerability for now. And guys, we're not suggesting you you break down and sob <laughs> uncontrollably and fall apart like some TV no. episode. No. <laughs> that's not what we're talking about. When he's talking about being vulnerable to his wife, when he's talking about being vulnerable to other men, that's not what we're saying. 
we're talking about having honest conversations because none of us are perfect. Right. You know what's the craziest thing? When mm. I started being vulnerable, and mm. I remember I was we started facilitating these men's groups, and we come together every Monday night to have dinner and conversation. And I remember when we started opening up, and we started to implement hand gestures. And one gesture we had is just guys putting up their hand like that or putting it on the table to just motion that they get it, they empathize, but also I've been there. And the coolest thing happens as the guy's opening up, all of a sudden I would see like five, six other guys put their hands on the table or put the hands up to communicate that I've been there too, or I've been there. It's wonderful when we start to realize that, man, all the suffering that I'm wallowing in, believing that nobody gets me, no one will understand me, so I gotta keep it all bottled up. As soon as you open up, you start to realize a lot of the people around you, they're dealing with the exact same stuff. <laughs> it's like, holy smokes, if I only opened up about this like a long time ago, I think I would have worked through it because we can do it together. As the African proverb goes, you want to go far, go together. You want to go fast, sure, go alone. But I don't know, I want to go far, man. I want to go far. Guys, and today we're not going to have time to dive into change because I think Di and I can go for a deep, long dive on this. So what I want for you guys who are listening is, if you want to hear Di and I go into just a deep dive on change and why it's not bad and how you can champion that in your life, info at thefallibleman.com. I'm at thefallibleman.com. I'm at thefallibleman pretty much everywhere. Comment on the show. Let me know. And I will sync back up with Di and we will take this into a part two, specifically on change. Di, three steps that men can take right now walking away from this conversation to start changing their lives. First of all, take control of your health. Recognize it's the foundation upon which everything is built. And all I invite you to do is take one or two actions that start to reinforce that foundation. The simplest two actions I would say to start with, start consuming a lot more water, minimum three liters a day, and start walking every day for at least 30 to 45 minutes. That's it. Do those two things. Now, if you want to add one more thing to that, because we said three things, Brent. So that would be number one. Number two would be start looking at what you're feeding your mind with. Are you listening to inspiring podcasts like this one? Or are you watching a lot of movies and sitcoms? I'm not judging. I think there's a place for that. We all need a little bit of humor in our lives. But if that is all you're listening to, you got to realize that influences your perspective, especially if you're someone that maybe watches a lot of the news. I mean, come on. You can't help but look at the feeds. It's negative. How do you think you're going to have an outlook on life that's positive if all you reinforce in your mind is negative? So start to look at what you're feeding your mind. Here's a little tip. If you want to cascade things, you're going to listen to something inspiring while you're doing your walking and drinking your water, okay? Amen uh, number three. Sorry? Amen to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah right? It's easy. Yeah, wait, there's not a matter of time. I can just do it. I love Audible. <laughs> Me too. That's exactly what I do. And then number three, all right, number three. What would be the most impactful thing? I think it's finding a community to belong with. That really is critical in all of our development, but also in just in having quality of life is finding a community, not just to join, not like face group where I'm in a hundred groups. No, I want you to find a place that you are like, man, I'm here and I feel like I belong here. That sense of belonging is so powerful in our lives and grounding and also at the same time, inspiring and motivating, find that. And if you can't find it, create it. <laughs> so those would be the three things I would recommend. If you do those things first, holy smokes, watch out. In a matter of days, you'll already notice the difference. Di, where's the best place people find you? Anywhere. No, uh, uh, Dimenwell. If you can spell my name, you can find me on any social platform or go to dimenwell.com and just shoot me a note. Say, hey, I heard you and Brent talking and hey, 
this is how much water I drink in a day. And also, I'm going to throw this out there. If you reach out to me and you talk, you mention the, the conversation that Brent and I had today, I will send you a free digital copy of my book. I can't send you a print one when my publisher wouldn't like that and my <laughs> wife, but I will send you a digital copy of it, an EPUB version or just a PDF. But So that's my invitation for someone to take action and get started. So uh, take me up on it. All right. Guys, like I said, if you want us to do a part two, focus on change, let us know, sound off, whether you're a regular fan of Die or you're a regular in the Fallible Nation, sound off, let us know, and we'll make it happen. I love working with this guy. I can't wait to have him back for our second year of the Phoenix coming up in February. And if you enjoyed this, come meet Die in person in February at the Phoenix conference. Guys, he's he bounces around like a, a gazelle, dude. I'm so <laughs> jealous of your energy during the conference. <sighs> But uh, come meet him. He's even more bubbly person and he's great at hanging out. We have so much fun. Guys, as always, be better tomorrow because of what you do today. And we'll see you on the next one. This has been the Fallible Man Podcast. Your home for everything man, husband, and father. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a show. Head over to www.thefallibleman.com for more content and get your own Fallible Man gear.